perhaps that God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. This is God's holy word. Please pray with me for me. Father, as we come to your truth, we we need to come and realize that these words are not a fairy tale. They're not. These words are, are not just made up. These are not words that we just read and, 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 and as if they're not real. These words are truth. These events happen in history. Those outside these walls may not believe that. But as your people, we do. And so as we come to your word, we, we need your spirit to, to help us to understand it. We need your spirit to uh, apply this truth to our life. As I said earlier, Lord, you know what we need to hear. You know, you know us. You know our drama. You know our messiness. You know what we try to hide. You know we don't have it all together. You know us even better than we know ourselves. And so as our Father, as our God, as our Redeemer, as our Savior, we need you to minister to us. We need you to move in us. Empower us to do the things that we are incapable of doing. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And so we call upon you in a mighty way today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Again, in verses 4 through 6, we see the Yahweh finally going to intervene to deal with his reluctant cultural prophet. It's a divine intervention in the form of a perfect storm. The Lord intervenes with the perfect storm. Before he intervenes, no, he, he lets Jonah have his little attitude. He lets Jonah get upset. He lets Jonah whine a little bit. He lets Jonah flee to Tarshish. He doesn't stop Jonah. Does he stop him? He lets him go. He lets Jonah find a ship. He doesn't stop Jonah from paying the fare. He doesn't stop Jonah from getting on board. Nor does the Lord follow behind Jonah. He doesn't chase Jonah. He doesn't follow behind his coattail. The Lord commands Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah decides to disobey, turns his back on the Lord, and the Lord lets him do it. The Lord lets him turn away. The Lord lets him flee. And this isn't true of this Jonah. This is true of all God's people and how he deals with us when it comes to the things that he says in his word. In his word, he tells us how he wants us to live. He tells us what he expects of us. And it's up to us if we're going to obey it or not. And when we choose to disobey it, sometimes he lets you flee. Just like Jonah. He'll let you go. He may even let you go to Joppa. He may even let you find a ship or a new car, wherever you want to substitute there. But you best believe eventually your rope's going to run out. Eventually, he's going to intervene. Eventually, he's going to show up. And at this moment, if you're Jonah, you know, he's, he's below the deck of the ship. He's below the deck of the ship, sailing toward Tarshish, probably thinking to himself, 
No, I just might get out of this. I, I just might actually make it there. The Lord hasn't done anything yet. So I just might not have to go to Nineveh after all. And all seem to be going according to plan. Until you get to verse 4. And it says, but Yahweh. But Yahweh. This but Yahweh uh, begins the Lord's divine intervention. The but, Yah- the but Yahweh trumps the but Jonah from last week. Do you remember the but Jonah? The but Jonah that was all about Jonah. The but Jonah that refuses to submit to the Lord's sovereign rule and authority. The but Jonah that walks away from the Lord. The but Jonah that is going to do what Jonah wants to do. The but Jonah that thinks Jonah is the one that's in control. The but Jonah that represents Jonah's sinful nature. The but Yahweh supersedes the but Jonah as well as the but you. The but Yahweh is going to put the but Jonah back on its bottom. And I want you to understand these words. Understand that these words, uh, but Jonah, are similar to the words some mothers say to their kids. Just wait till your daddy gets home. Just wait till your father gets home. And every kid who's heard those words know what they mean. And what's going to happen when daddy gets home, there may be some consequences. There may be a little bit of discipline. And in verse 4, daddy comes home. In verse 4, the father walks through the door. And this but Yahweh is the Lord getting ready to frustrate Jonah's plans. Psalm 33.10 says, the Lord frustrates the plans of the people. And that is what he's going to do here. He's going to frustrate Jonah's plans to go to Tarshish. He's going to show up. He is going to show Jonah that there is no escaping his presence and authority. You've got to know that. There is no escaping it. For his sovereignty rules over all parts of creation and every part of your life. The psalmist asked, where shall I flee? From your presence, O oh Lord. Where can I go from your presence, O oh Lord? There's nowhere you can go from his presence. And here in these verses, Yahweh intervenes in a powerful and yet frightening way. And yet this intervention is still faithfulness. On the surface, it doesn't look like faithfulness, but it is. The text says, but the Lord hurls a great wind upon the sea. A great wind, not a gentle breeze that you may feel on a nice fall day. It's a violent wind. It's a wind that develops into a storm. The perfect storm. Yahweh hurls a great wind into the sea. And people, things have just now gotten real. The Andrew Gale was a commercial fishing vessel that was lost at sea with all its crew after they got caught in the perfect storm in 1991. And many of you have probably seen the movie, The Perfect Storm. And if you've seen that movie, 
then that's what these men are going through. Look at the picture. They're called in the middle of a hurricane at sea, and it ain't pretty. It's scary. It's dangerous. And this image here illustrates what these sailors are probably going through on this boat. The sea is unstable, the wind is violent, the waves are huge. And Jonah's escape vessel is at the mercy of a powerful, perfect storm. And again, this isn't make-believe. This is not a Disney movie or a Pixar movie. This is real life. The danger and threat are real. The text says again, there is a mighty storm on the sea. And so that the ship threatens to break up. The ship is in jeopardy of being ripped apart. It can't withstand the force of this storm for much longer. And if something doesn't happen, if something doesn't change, the ship will be destroyed. And all the people on board as well. The situation is serious. People's lives hang in the balance. It's important that when we read stories like this in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, we don't do it in a disconnected way. Don't, don't read these words as if they're fiction and not real. This is history. The people on the ship are stuck in a storm that they can't get out of. These sailors operating this ship, they didn't know they were getting into when they let Joan on that boat. They didn't. They didn't know what they was getting into. And remember, Jonah comes to them. They're probably on the, on, on the dock that's doing their job, loading up the cargo, getting ready to set sail. And then here comes Jonah walking down, asking people for rides to, to Tarshish. Can I get a ride, bro? Are you going to Tarshish? Can I get a ride? I got my, I'll pay my way there. And so he finds these guys, and they let him on board. Come on, bro. You can ride with us. He goes on board below the dock, deck of the ship. They welcome him without even knowing any of the information we know. They don't know Jonah is fleeing from his God. They don't know what he just did. To them, he's just a man who needs some help. And, not, and also remember, these men are pagans now. These are Gentile men. Hipping out this Jew. And so they set sail. And once they do, they get stuck in the middle of a conflict between Jonah and his God. And so now these sailors are on, this, on, the, on the deck of the ship witnessing firsthand this perfect storm develop. They see it. And I'm sure as sailors, they've seen storms before. They've seen storms at sea before, but something is different about this storm. More powerful, more frightening, violent winds, huge waves. And can you imagine if you're on this ship, seeing what they're seeing? What are you feeling right now? Fear. Fear. Your stomach turning upside down. Your body gets weak and fear grabs hold of you in deep ways. That's what they're doing. That's what they're experiencing. Fear just jacks them up. The text says the sailors are afraid for their life, basically. That's their first response to this storm. 
emotion of fear because their lives are in danger. They might not make it out of this storm. Fear to the point of death because their lives are in jeopardy. And so they see and they feel their need for salvation. They see it. They need salvation. They need someone to come help them to rescue them. And they try to find this salvation. First, they try to find it religiously and spiritually. As I said, these sailors are are pagan Gentiles. They're not Jews. They don't worship Yahweh. Each of these men have some form of religion, some God that they worship and call upon in times of trouble. And for these sailors, this is one of those times. They're in trouble. And they need their God to come through for them. Because make no mistake, this ship is going to perish if nothing happens or changes. So the sailors, what do they do? They, go, they pray for intervention. They, they pray for intervention. They pray for their God to come and help them. They pray even hard. The text says each man cries out to his God. Each man cries out to his God. And pay attention to what the text says. Each man cries out to his own God. Each sailor had his own God. And so if this is a ten-person crew, you got ten gods being prayed to. And so you would think at least one of them would come down and do something, right? At least one out of ten will come. They don't. They're hard. They're crying out. They're pleading. They're begging. But their gods do not show up in the midst of the storm. They don't intervene. They don't intervene. Their gods do not respond to their prayers. Then the sailors begin to realize they're not going to find salvation religiously. They're not going to find salvation spiritually. That their gods have just left them high and dry when they needed them the most. The gods left them high and dry when they needed their God the most. Their religion fails them, and the storm continues to rage, and the ship and their lives are still in danger. And so they, they go to another attempt to find salvation. They're done with the religious and the spiritual attempt, so now they're going to use themselves, their own human ability. Since their gods failed them, now it's up to them to save themselves. We have to provide our own salvation now. And so they hurl the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. And all the sailors are working hard, throwing all the goods overboard. Every man moving as quickly and safely as he can to help out. But all their hurling still does not save them. It lightens the ship, but does not change what's going to eventually happen to the ship. Just as Yahweh hurls a great wind into the sea, the sailors hurl the cargo in the sea. But their hurling does not produce the same result as Yahweh's hurling. It gives them more time. But you know what the end is going to be. It's going to be death. Still, death. The sailors have done all they can do. Again, look at that picture. 
have done all they can do. They prayed. They went the religious route. They threw all the cargo and goods overboard. They've done all they can do. And all they can do now is just pray for a miracle. They have exhausted all their means of trying to provide their own salvation. This storm has brought these sailors to the end of their rope. They're still at the mercy of it. The perfect storm shatters all their attempts for salvation. It shows them they're not in control. It shows them that they're not self-existing. It shows them the limits of their own self-sufficiency. It shows them that a false god cannot save them. It awakens these men to their own mortality. They face certain death. What these sales are going through, people still go through today. They do. People are constantly facing storms in their life. Even you. Personal problems, world problems, domestic problems. And people are doing all they can do to try to find salvation, try to find peace, trying to find some hope. Much like these sailors, people seek salvation in some false god, some false religion, or they do it through their own human ability. I can save myself. Working hard, yet the problem still stands. The storm is still raging. And people eventually come face to face with their own mortality. We all do. Eventually. Eventually you will have a heart-to-heart conversation with your own limits. Eventually the, the, the perfect storm that is raging right now in your life. What does it show you? There are perfect storms raging right now in our country, in the world, in people's lives. Does your heart go out to these people who are fighting, but progress seems to be small? They're looking for salvation. They're looking for peace, but can't find none. Does your heart go out to these uh, pagan sailors? Let me ask you, whose fault is this that they're stuck in this situation? Whose fault is it? Jonah. Jonah, the prophetic witness, the believer of the one true God, is his fault. Remember, they didn't bring the storm upon themselves. They were helping Jonah out. They were giving him a hand. And as a result, they get caught in the middle of a conflict between him and his God. Jonah's disobedience is the cause of the storm. It's a consequence for his sin. Consequences for his rebellion against God. And the consequence not only touches his life, but it touches the lives of these sailors as well. Think about that. They are, they're fighting against Jonah's consequence. And don't even know it. James Boyce, who used to be pastor at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, he says the disobedience of one of God's servants always involves elders in peril, even innocent people. 
Think about those words. Those are convicting words. That the sin of God's people has impact in the world in which we live. How much of the problems in America is a result of the church's disobedience and not America's disobedience? Think about that. When we look in the mirror, it's easy for us to criticize our government. It's easy for us to criticize our culture. But how much is it our fault? Think about that. Our failure to love. We're upset about homosexual marriage, but what did we do to prevent it? Did we love homosexuals or did we just condemn them? Again, whose fault is it? Look in the mirror, church. Because these pagans didn't do anything to, to deserve what they're going through. It's a prophetic witness who rebelled against his prophetic call has brought this trouble upon them. Boris goes on and says, we must not smug at this point and, and overly blame the sailors but remember, the trouble that came upon them has come because of Jonah. This means that in some situations, at least, problems come to the world because of God's judgment on his own children. That's powerful. Those words are convicting, and those words force you to ask some tough questions and force us to look in the mirror as a church in this country. What is it? How have we flee from our call? And now we're dealing with the consequences for not doing what God has called us to do as a church. Because remember, the storm doesn't get calmed down until Jonah gets thrown into the sea. And so as a church in America, God would continue to bring things up until we get it. Until, he, until we get back to do what he's called us to do as his church. Jonah sinfully flees from his call, flees from the Lord as if there would be no consequence for his actions. And these sailors are on deck of this ship fighting for their life and Jonah's life. And guess what? Jonah is nowhere to be found. Can you be found, church? What have we left to the world to defend? What are we expecting the government to do that only the church is supposed to be doing? Where? Who's the prophetic witness of Jesus in this world, in this country? It is not the government. It is not the Democrats. It is not the Republicans. It is the church. It is our call, our responsibility. Who are the prophetic witnesses of marriage in this country? Christian marriages. So you need to make sure you got a good marriage. Then, it's us. We're it. And will we do it? Or will we be like Jonah beneath the deck of the ship sleeping through the storm? I believe the church is asleep.
because we're abandoning our responsibility to other things, to other people. Well, we let them do it. No, we need to do it. The greatest testimony for Christian marriage is you having a good marriage. The greatest testimony for the gospel is you living it, you sharing it. We have to be the prophetic witnesses of Christ. And God will bring things into our life to eventually steer the church back to the way he wants it to be. Because remember, Christianity has died many times, but God knows the way out of the grave. And so wherever it is that you're dealing with, wherever your failure may be, the storms that come in your life are there for faithfulness. It ain't going to feel like faithfulness. Trust me, that, that, that don't look like faithfulness to me. If, if I'm stuck in that, I'm like, Lord, you don't love me. I don't know about you, but that does not look like faithfulness. But I'm telling you, it is. And we're going to get into that as we move through this chapter. But I want you to know and pray for you, for your family, for our church. That what it is we want to see happen in this country, the church has a very, very important role in that. And we have to take serious our responsibility to be Christ's prophetic witnesses in this country. And if you're weak there like I am, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will give us the power to do it. Let us pray. Father God, I do thank you that though these storms are scary and they don't look like faithfulness, I, I, I know they are because your word says it. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like anything but that. But what I love about the Old Testament, Lord, we get to see you work through people's lives, people who are just like us. We're just like Jonah. We don't have it all together. We flee. We make mistakes. But yet, Lord, you don't give up on Jonah. We know how the story ends. We know you can pursue. You don't let us go. You, you continue to move in us. And so, so as we move out into this world this week, Lord, help us to be a prophetic witness. Our families, help us to be a prophetic witness on our jobs. Help us to be a prophetic witness on how we treat those who are different than us. We can't do it apart from your spirit, Lord. We need you to move in us. And I do pray Lord, for our country, I do pray as, as the country does continue to move in directions that I don't like. But help us to know, Lord, this country has done worse things in history and, and, and you still have moved in it. And so as your church, help us know on whose kingdom we're fighting for. It's your kingdom. And, we, and your kingdom requires us to get messy. Help us to get messy for your kingdom so that we, Lord, can bring people the good news of the gospel and our prayer that these people who don't know you will come to know you as their Lord and Savior, and they will stand with us one day in glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service.